0: folks, welcome back to Can't Make It Up Podcast. Can't make it up, baby. That's right. I'm the chief. To my right is the one and only Super Doc. What's up, chief? It's all good, my friend. Yes, Glad sir. to be in the studio again. Mixing it up on the soundboard is the one and only barbecue sauce bourbon-based beat up. What's going on? oh just another
1: good night in the big rockville texas
0: boys in the new studio
1: yeah and we got the heater pumping out the heat rope B Dub, he's not uh, gonna be
2: shivering over i was night. giving
0: him shit earlier about being cold but uh, angelina brought the heater out and i'm kind of enjoying it
2: well yep. do you all know what this week is
1: no tell us
2: <coughs> our one year anniversary Oh, oh wow we, we <laughs> recorded our very first podcast on january 30th and the wednesday this is coming out is <laughs> january twenty-sixth. so it'll be our one year awesome We'd awesome. like
0: to thank our three listeners who listened to us for a year now.
1: Man, I tell you what, they are the most three dedicated sun guns I ever met in my life. I love them. We appreciate you three listening to us still. Well, I tell you what, man, we've got a special one for our anniversary uh, podcast, man. Uh, let's introduce our our main man to my right, Mr. Mr.
3: West... Barlow, how are you doing, Wes? Man, fantastic. Thank y'all for having me out here today.
1: Man, thank you for
3: showing up, man. It
1: didn't work out last week and uh it worked out pretty good for us. It didn't work out because none of us were available. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's true. I started drinking early at Julio's. And uh, figured out I did not need to be on a podcast that day, so I texted Doc. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make it. (laughs) And then the party continued over to my house. And yeah, it's a good thing we didn't have. I wasn't at the party, but uh, (laughs) yeah, we didn't
1: get (laughs) invited. We we actually could have done it, but when you backed out, it worked out because I was I was uh, allergies were kicking my ass that day, and I was not really feeling it. So I feel that. So how we are, man? We're here and uh, glad to have you and. How about you graduated from Texas A&M, <laughs> a fighting <laughs> Texas Egg class
3: of 21.
1: 21.
3: 21. 21. Right. Yeah. My um, major was university studies with a concentration in leadership. They used to call it general studies or G-stud. G-stud. Well, yeah, that's what everybody was. But <laughs> it was essentially allowed me to more creatively apply the credits I already had and then uh, concentrate in leadership. And then I had to double minor with that. So, my minors were business and ad communications.
1: That sounds really damn sophisticated to me. <coughs> it's yeah, a no, like he, no. It sounds like he's a really smart musician to he me. does, doesn't he? <laughs> Depends on the day.
3: <laughs>
0: Wes, where'd you grow up,
3: man? Uh, I've spent most of my life outside Houston now in Katy, Texas, but I'm from Tennessee. Okay. What part of Tennessee? Oh, man. It's called Pickwick, Tennessee. Pickwick. Pickwick, yeah. That's the same expression everyone always gives me when I say Pickwick. <laughs> like, where Tennessee. the hell's Pickwick, Tennessee? So it's an hour and a half east of Memphis, and it's right where the Tennessee and Mississippi <laughs> rivers meet. Uh, there's a big Pickwick Lake, and the Battle of Shiloh for the Civil War was fought there. So there's like a big park you can tour and all of that. So that's how most people know where pickwick is because nice. of the lake or the park one of the two
1: i, I i'm guessing that's probably a pretty scenic place yeah it's a pretty beautiful. cool place i mean the river being right there
3: yeah it's absolutely gorgeous
1: wow and you left all that to come down to texas
3: oh yeah oh yeah gained a bunch of humidity <laughs> Yeah, yeah <laughs> lost do. two seasons <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's
1: that's the one thing about everybody that lives in tennessee like you get all four seasons in tennessee i'm like
3: yeah, well, we get all four in a day. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's no lie. I think the thing I miss the most about like Tennessee versus Texas would probably be in the fall when all of the leaves start to turn colors. You get such a bigger variety of colors in right. that part of the United States compared to here. You got, like, green to brown, maybe a little bit of yellow. Yep, that's pretty much it. You got I, I, it. They
1: probably got some different trees that grow up there, too, that give you some different colors, oh, for I'm sure. guessing. I mean <laughs> – Ain't many things could live with this scorching ass yeah. heat. Nope, so you're pretty close
3: you're pretty close to Memphis. Yep. Yeah. So you ever played Bill Street? I have not. I've drank on Bill Street. Yeah. But I hadn't played on Bill Street. Bill
0: Street, I've never been to Bill Street. I've heard, had some friends who've partied and played, not
3: played, but partied on
0: Bill Street. Uh,
3: Bill Street pretty cool place. Yeah. If you could take <coughs> like New Orleans and Sixth Street with blues music and like make a little love child that would be bill street it's like six blocks long and three blocks wide and everything's blocked off you can get margaritas to go and like walk around and yeah there's live music everywhere and then there's a bunch of people doing like acrobatics down the street for tips and (laughs) it's an interesting place i hadn't been there in probably seven or eight years because usually when we're going through there it's something related to music so to park a van and trailer with $20,000, $25,000 $20,000, $25,000 of equipment somewhere that you can't guarantee the safety of it is a little <laughs> not advisable. You're not doing that in Memphis. No. that's exactly from, what right.
1: I, from what I understand about their uh, crime rate
2: there. Yeah, Memphis I watch the like show, Houston. Cops. A, Memphis is a lot like Houston. If you stay at a red light too long, you might be losing a wheel. <laughs> yeah, that's no lie. I understand
0: that
3: completely. Yeah, it's definitely an experience, though. You got to try it.
0: That's what I hear. I want to try it. My wife, Cat Mom, and I have talked about making the up our way up to Kentucky to do the bourbon tour. and yeah. you know, we've mapped it out. We'll stop here in Arkansas, visit family, stop in Memphis, and yada yada yada. So, we were going to do that during the COVID crisis of last year, but all the distilleries were shut down. So, yeah. <clears throat> no use in doing that. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> kind of a wasted just trip. Drive up to Kentucky, just say, "Okay, we're here." <laughs>
1: Knock on the wooden door. Nobody answers.
0: <laughs> Can I get a bottle?
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll
1: just take a barrel.
4: Oh.
5: Big
3: balling.
1: So you made it back down to Texas, uh, and you grew up, I guess, went to school in Houston area, Katie Yeah, area?
3: Yeah, I went to school, Katie Junior High, Katie High School. Uh, played football for two years till music got in the way, and my coaches were like, you know, please understand uh, your playtime's reflected on the missed practices. Well, please understand. I'm just going to go do that. Like, I'm better at that than I am at this. <laughs>
1: so you started playing music at a pretty young age, though, right? Yeah,
3: I started in fourth grade playing the violin and orchestra. And the first two years I played, I refused to learn to read music because I could hear stuff and I could play it. So why waste the time? You know, work smarter, not harder. But then got here in sixth grade and the music got hard enough that I couldn't exactly do that. So I had to learn to read music, but I switched to viola. So I learned how to read alto clef and treble clef at the same time and competed in like Houston Youth Symphony and All Region Orchestra with viola because there was less competition. All the kids want to play violin and play the melody. Nobody wants to play the harmonies. So I did violin in school and viola in competitions. So
1: B-Dub understands that. I, I, what is. the hell is Viola? <laughs> viola is a company
0: I used to work for in the industrial services world. It's all I
3: know. Yeah, So Viola is tuned deeper, and it's a little bigger. It's kind of like a cello. Like when you have a five-string violin, like the lowest you string is a Bigger. <laughs> I was thinking something different, but. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care what you're thinking. About the time I got to. Started, I guess it was fifth grade. There's a man by the name of Mike Jones, not the one y'all are thinking of. It is Houston, but it is not that one. Uh, He was the orchestra director of Maid Creek High School, and he had a fiddle club called the Cripple Creek Fiddlers. And they wore the super cheesy, like, Texas button-ups, and everyone wore them, and they played festivals. Like, they got to go to Germany and play. And he was the father of one of my friends that was in orchestra with me. And so he let me join his high school fiddle club well, I was coming into junior high. And so that was kind of my first exposure to fiddle music. And then I started hearing more George Strait and Charlie Daniels. And I was like, oh, that's this. Like, yeah. I, I could do that. Yeah, so I think I, I stayed in orchestra until sophomore year of high school. Um, got my letter jacket and quit because I was already on stage with bands. And that was way more fun. Than sitting in a room with a bunch of other. Sophomore year in high
0: school, you're on stage of bands.
3: Yes, sir. Impressive. Yes, sir. I joined. I didn't join my first band till freshman year of college, like 2011, 2012.
2: Yeah. At, At what age did you start sitting in?
3: Ooh, man, I was probably. So I cut my teeth on stage in like probably seventh eighth grade. There's this restaurant in Katy called Texas Tradition, right off Highway 90 and I would call up there every Friday and Saturday to see if the crawfish patty daddies were playing. It was Joe Kirkpatrick and Ron Ondowski. and they played a bunch of older George Strait, Bob Wills, like a bunch of the Western swing music, and the first time I met them, my mom got to talking with them about how, oh, well, my son plays violin, and they're like, (coughs) oh, well, get him up here, and they always welcome me on stage knowing that I didn't know much, and it was probably going to sound terrible. Uh, (laughs) I was going to (laughs) learn how to do it right by doing it wrong. But about all I could play was Fated Love. And so anytime they were up there, my parents would take me up there and I'd sit in and just kind of try to figure out what was going on yeah. and how to do it.
6: That's cool. That's good. That's
0: Does that group still exist? Do you n-
3: know? No, no, they don't. Uh, <coughs> Joe and Ron both died about three years ago. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. Way to bring that up.
0: Boy. I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm joking. Cut that part out of the show, beat <laughs> up. <laughs>
1: so. So, I mean, they were patient with you then. Did they try to give you some guidance at all? Oh,
3: absolutely. Uh, I've got a cool, like my double fiddle case, my flight case, uh, Joe built because he worked for a company called Hafer Case in Richmond-Rosenberg, and they built all the flight cases for ZZ Top. I mean, any of the tours they did, they built everything for ZZ Top and then any other industry that you could need, big protective cases for TVs and stuff. So anytime I had questions, I'd always call one of them and they'd help me out. Uh, Ron went on the road with Zona Jones for a while back in the day when he was still singing. Nice. So I had some, I was blessed to have some pretty good guidance early in oh, what no turned out to be a career, what I didn't think was going to be a career then.
6: Right, uh, absolutely.
1: Right. So, so you transitioned to from that to you you start your you start a band or you join a band in college?
3: Yeah, so I started down the road a little bit in college at Sam Houston, and. I got tired of driving back and forth to College Station to get in the van. Uh, the first band I played with back then was called Jose Salazar and the Broke 60 Band. <laughs> and these days, he goes by Doc West. I
1: bet they're still broke. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, he
3: owns his own veterinary clinic these days. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, he's doing pretty well. Uh, and that was actually how I met Jody Bartula from Cody Johnson was he – was the fiddle player that recorded on that album. So Jose was like, hey, you need to go to College Station and meet this guy. He recorded everything. He's going to show you everything you need to know. Oh, nice. I was like, all right. And so I bounced band to band for a while, uh, moved to College Station, quit going to school uh, because that wasn't any fun. I was staying up too late and sleeping (laughs) through class and ran for my student loans so I couldn't afford them anymore. And then slowly just worked my way up into new bands, and I got to spend the better part of five years with an Irish rock band. Wow. That was, yeah, my audition. Irish rock band. Yeah, my audition for them was at a nudist colony outside Brenham. (laughs) (laughs) I I just pictured you holding your
6: fiddlestick.
3: (laughs) I wasn't thinking this was going to be a Texas deal. (laughs) My hands
0: are full. I'm not going to hold this
3: thing. (laughs) (laughs) And for being a nudist colony, there was a lot more chain mail there than I was expecting. I mean, grateful for it. Because typically the people you see at nudist colonies and nudist beaches aren't necessarily people you want to see in the no, nude, That's what know. I've heard. It, it was wild, though. Those people know how to party. <laughs>
1: <I bet laughs> where they was in. this again?
3: Outside Brenham. Outside Brenham. Yeah, there's a whole encampment, like high high fence and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it takes to get in there. Uh, <laughs> we got to get in because we were a band and they hire music on the weekends. Yeah? Yeah. It's a whole hippie compound. It was pretty cool.
1: So where <laughs> all did y'all travel to?
3: Oh, man. We played a little bit everywhere all over the continental United States. And then I got to go to Ireland with them for a week in 2018. And so that was a lot of fun. We sold tickets and brought our fans with us. And so everyone traveled on the same planes and the same buses, stayed in the same hotels. And we did, like, kind of touristy stuff during the day and in Dublin. And we went to – we passed through Killarney. We went into Northern Ireland and stopped for lunch, and we couldn't. I'd use my debit card there because they don't use the euro, and euros was all I had. So I'd use my debit card to pay for lunch because they're not part of the EU. And then <coughs> went surfing in Bundoran, Ireland, and that was pretty cool. Then at night we'd go into pubs and play shows.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah. So I was thinking this. Uh, well, <laughs> the Irish band I was thinking it was not going to be in Texas, but. <laughs> I did travel all over, so, yep. so I guess. Uh,
0: well, what kind of music? I mean, did you just play Irish music, or what? All kinds of music. What a you little
3: you? bit of everything, kind of along the vein of like Flogging Molly, Dropkick Murphys, but also a lot of the older classic rock. Like we played Judas Priest, and we okay. did Elvis, and we did Steve Earle. Like a little bit of everything.
1: So you played fiddle in this band? Right? <laughs> I did. Okay. I did. I was just checking because that's that that's a pretty interesting uh, concept. Honestly, I could see where we're really add a layer of uh, another layer to the music
3: yeah it definitely got me out of my comfort zone and made me learn something new Um, it was a lot closer to classical music than per se fiddle music because everything was so exact and so fast but the most country sound that that band had was while I was playing fiddle for them oh I'm sure yeah (laughs) Yeah. because that's what your roots are right yeah yeah absolutely
0: I got a question, and this may be like the dumbest question ever, but what is the difference between a fiddle and a violin?
3: Oh, man. So it's pretty technical. Um, A violin's got strings, and a fiddle's got strings. Huh? <laughs> Come
1: on, you from Minerva. You should
3: have been able to figure that one out. <laughs> right, that's how you say it. You, you just got to change out your valves. <laughs> change out your valves. <laughs> yeah. no, it's real. It's the same instrument. Um, okay. It just comes down to the player, really. Like there can be subtle changes as far as like the shape of the bridge or how tight you have your bow or whether you use a shoulder rest or not. But generally, it's just a style of playing. Gotcha. Yeah, because you can play a country song on a guitar and then switch to rock, and all of a sudden you're playing rock music. It's the same idea. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I get asked that all the time do you all okay the time.
0: i didn't know if that was probably the dumbest question you've ever heard from a boy who grew up in minerva texas but
3: <laughs> the minerva is not a town it's a community of about 20 people
6: that's right
3: it's a, it wasn't the dumbest it's up there but it wasn't the dumbest i feel honored it, it, it was number two he's got some more questions don't worry yeah. let me get
0: my list out
3: we strive for excellence <laughs> He'll
1: win this award before it's over. I now you know you, why we only have three listeners. He likes to win. <laughs> Warren's a winner. Chief's a winner.
0: <laughs> oh shit. Can't so, make it up. So
1: from the Irish band, what'd you do from there?
3: Uh well, COVID came around and so it just kinda put a stop to everything. And I got myself a day job at H E B.
1: So so you're playing up with the Irish band up to COVID. Yeah. Oh, wow. it um, so recent. Nice.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then uh had some creative differences, so I knew we were going to split ways. Uh, I'd felt it coming for a while, but COVID made the easy excuse because, like, we couldn't play. Right. Yeah. And so I worked at Curbside with HEB, which was an experience and a half. Um, I've been great. I was lucky enough to be able to make a living playing music for the last four or five years pre-COVID without having to work a day job. And so... It was a walk into the beat of a different drum. It was the first time I had to uh, work with kids that were 8, 9, 10 years younger than me. And there wasn't a whole lot we had in common. Like, at times, it felt like they are still practicing talking. Uh, now when, you know
0: why we don't let beat up talk much on the podcast. <laughs> when,
3: when you get hired at H-E-B, they call you partner. Partner. And so I had the same conversation for, like, the first four days. And this took, you'll see, this was the dumbest question I've ever had. Um, but they're like, howdy partner, you know, what got you this job here? And I was like, well, this pandemic here got me this job. like, Oh, well, what'd you do before this? Like I played fiddle. Well, how'd you make money? I played fiddle. You made money playing fiddle. Like, Oh my God, dude, my favorite color is red. I like long walks on the beach. Like how many other things can we talk about? But it was cool because if my managers asked me to do something once and I got it done in a reasonable amount of time, they were just mind blown. Because
0: they're used to dealing with these kids that yeah. tell not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I just
3: had to operate just slightly better than all of my coworkers. <laughs> and they were just blown away. <laughs> it was just cruise control. Like it was nice. Sounded like <laughs> it
0: wasn't very hard. Not like you <laughs> no. were up on the wall, partner of the month, month after month after <laughs> I month. <laughs> I, guess, I did. I did get it. I guess we is going to win the award again <laughs> this month. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. I did that. And then uh, as we've slowly. Everything started to reopen and be able to start playing again. I spent probably about six months playing for a guy named Cafe Anderson. Uh, he's got oh, a he's... song that went viral on TikTok yes. called "Mr. Red, White, and Blue." Yep. Mr. And Red, yeah, yep. yeah. He's got oh, he the, Net... oh, the okay. Netflix <laughs> show. So <laughs> I played with him for a while, and then at this time, I play for a lady on Nashville named Kylie Fry. Yep, Kylie French Fry. One. She's a good one, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. She's. Uh... She's,
1: I think she's got some really uh, – the ceiling's really high for her.
3: Absolutely. She's a great writer. Uh, she's fun to be around. She's got the it factor on stage. Um, she's a talented vocalist. So it's just being patient
5: is yep. all it is. Yep. The,
0: yeah. One thing I'll say about Coffee Anderson, when the uh, our Brave Warriors were killed not too long ago, there was like 11 of them Thirteen. killed. 13 of mm-hmm. them. Yep. He volunteered his time – to I think if the family wanted it to go play that song at every one of them's
3: funeral. Yeah, he ended up playing at eight of their funerals. I just saw him last weekend. Okay. Uh, I was playing yeah. a Western fashion show situation in Fort Worth, and he was there with Montana Silversmiths, and they were revealing the world's largest belt buckle. Guinness was there. I mean, it was massive, like 10 foot 6 tall, 14 6 and a half wide, weighed 1,200 pounds, had like the swivel in the hook. If there was somebody big enough to wear it, they could. It was fully functional. Wow! But they presented him <laughs> with a custom belt buckle for that that had Mister Red, White, and Blue, That's and had thirteen a, stars on yeah, it, and each of wow. the heroes' names was engraved
2: on one of the stars. That's amazing. It was really, yeah, it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's amazing.
2: Well, B Dub, maybe if you put on about forty pounds, you could wear that thing. I'm, I'm gonna need a lot more than forty. <laughs> hey, you're, maybe, you're almost tall enough. You can put,
1: put it on the front of your truck, driving around. Yeah, be like a snowplow. It looks like next a, week, it's supposed to snow. We put it on the front of your truck. You
3: clear the roads in Rockdale for it. We could. <laughs> hey, the only thing better than having longhorns on the hood of your truck be a belt buckle. That's be, right. It'll be the next Guinness Book. For,
0: this is the biggest snow plow ever. That would probably start to be you'd have that belt, belt, had that belt right. buckle on when the Uber driver was looking at you. Oh. <laughs> she, she'd have really been impressed. he oh, had yeah. a hard time
2: getting into the car. <laughs> <laughs> she got under that belt buckle there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't have been able to see her uh, crooked eyes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she just concentrated more on one thing at a time. That right. was
2: during Camp Brisket, right? Yeah. Your, your <laughs> whole adventure. Yeah. So I got picked up in an Uber and I'm not you, even. You got picked up or did you call for an Uber <laughs> <laughs> or did they just show up out of magic? Woo! I, I, I just held them like a taxi. Yeah. There you go. Uh, cool. So I kid you not, she was looking out the windshield. And Without even turning her head, she was having a full-on conversation with me out of her right eye, <laughs> looking back at me, and, and then went into how long she'd been an Uber driver and all that, and that story got extremely interesting in a hurry. Really? Yeah.
1: So how long had she been an Uber driver?
2: Uh, For about six months, and most of that time was in working down in Houston, picking up hookers. <laughs> Wow. To, to take them back from the hotel rooms.
0: What's a hooker? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ask th- is that a
0: bullfighter? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, depends on if, like they that. Get, if they get, they get colonized. <laughs> I,
1: I think the professional name is a uh,
0: call girl. Yeah, something like that. They all are really dressing <laughs> it up. <laughs>
3: Man, interesting. She had a bunch of cool stories. Well, I don't know about cool, but interesting stories. Yeah, they were definitely
2: interesting.
0: <laughs> do you remember the guy that used to work at Mr. Liquor here in Rockdale that had the same eyes, Doc? Yes. One was looking at the register, and the other eye was
3: looking at the liquor store. I, hey, that's right. thr- that theft prevention right <clears> there. <throat> it was, it was <laughs> weird
0: doing business with him. Like, do I look? I don't even know what to look at. Do I look at him? Do I look at the counter? I'm not sure. It was odd.
2: Oh well, what I, really threw me off was she'd be talking to me, staring at the road, and I didn't know if she was talking to me or not. Because <laughs> I, I kept forgetting that she could actually see me. <laughs> One of my buddies dated a cross eyed girl once. Uh didn't work out because she's
3: seeing a man on the side. <bump>. That's pretty good. I oh, Wes, well, always it. I hey, like man. that one, man. He, you I, threw that
0: in there good. He's got
1: he's got all. <laughs> he, he uses it by the shows. He's, I mean, you, you are smooth when you're on the stage. I will say that.
3: Thank you. I try. I try. It's definitely an experience. That's for sure. Because uh, I've just got so many different stories from the life that I've lived that I just try to incorporate some of that into the show. And it turns out to be pretty entertaining. And incorporate into some songs too. Yeah, the more I talk, the less I got to sing. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm, I'm talking songwriting. <laughs> oh, heck yeah!
3: Yeah, I need to make more time for that. It's been a while since I've been writing, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. I've had quite a few co-writes. I spend more time co-writing than I do writing on my own the last couple of years. You and,
1: find you find that easier or harder?
3: Yeah. Uh, I find it easier because I don't have to come up with the main idea of what something's about.
1: So somebody comes up with an idea and you just kind of chip in.
3: Yeah. Yeah, or if I have an idea and get stuck on a song, then I get some friends right. to come help. Uh, one of the ones that I co-wrote on that was released uh, was called You'll Write Mine, When Williams Cut It, and we wrote it on the back porch of the tap oh, nice. in College ah, Station. Cool. Yeah, one of my favorite bars. I love the tap.
6: <coughs> yep. The
0: that's tap a good one. That's a lot of fun. That's a
3: good one. Yeah, that's where pickle shots originated. Ah. Uh-huh. Was it the tap? <laughs> Did they really? Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's vodka and pickle juice, right? It is. Okay.
3: It is, yeah. allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, could be with anything. But, yeah, that's <laughs> you you a,
0: don't know. The pickle juice is so overwhelming. Isn't yeah.
3: Man, I'm not a pickle fan. Generally, unless they're fried. But pickle shots, a spicy pickle shot, a little bit of Tabasco in it, Uh-oh. it's pretty solid.
0: Uh-oh. Never well, tried the spicy ones.
3: Wish we'd had a head up on this. We'd
1: have tried one of those here today. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> could have had
0: one.
3: Right. Yeah, and then there's a bar on Northgate called the Tipsy Turtle that specializes in pickle shots. Like, they have kegs of pickle juice on tap and they make like <coughs> pickle marys and the pickle shots with tequila juice and then tequila juice you know what i meant pickle juice with tequila and then my favorite one that they make is a cajun pickle shot and it's got worcestershire and tabasco and then they sprinkle some tony c's
2: on top of it
0: interesting there's an art to pickle shots that I did not know about.
2: <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> <laughs> They're fixing to be a whole bourbon society type just based on pickle shots. Yeah, that's true. It can be done. It can be done.
1: I just like my bourbon straight. <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah. Don't mess oh, yeah. it up. No pickle
3: juice. Are
0: you a bourbon drinker?
3: I am. I am. Call, call it sacrilegious, but Blanton's makes one of the best whiskey sours I've ever had. Nice. Spectacular. Uh, I think my favorite, if I had to pick like a daily drinker, uh, is Eagle Rare. I love Eagle Rare.
0: Yeah, it's just hard to get around. It's Texas. hard to get around here. here mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: It definitely can be. <clears throat> you just got to make friends. Friends in the right places. got to have friends. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, you definitely do. Military friends will get you
1: there faster. I've That's got a real. new favorite. Or you can make friends daily. at the bar.
0: <laughs> I've got a new favorite daily drinker. Okay. Angels Envy. Oh, that's a Ooh, good one. Which one? Good one? Just the regular one. Just or? the regular one, yeah, yeah, not that fancy one that Doc, <laughs> they, they tried to talk Doc into buying. I buy
1: almost, it. I regret not buying that. God, dang, that looks so good.
0: It was a hundred something bucks, dude.
1: I know, but it's a
0: rare. It couldn't, even, dude. They were just lucky to have it. I went from uh, my favorite, the uh, Prohibition um, Old Forester Prohibition. Yeah, the 1920 prohibition. Yep, that's that's right up there as one of my faves. That's with, strong. Yeah, it's I strong. Like it. It's a good one, but Angels envy, man. It's just just smooth. Yeah. And it's cheaper and it's cheaper exactly yeah. that may well, be we all why. know the reason
3: <laughs> y'all know the common theme when chief talking is cheaper yeah. have, you, have y'all ever had Stranahan's? <clears throat> i've mm-hmm. thought about buying it several times but no i have well worth it is uh, it worth yeah. it yeah it's from colorado so if you're ever up in the denver area you have to schedule in advance their distillery tour is really cool um we did all that the yellow label single malt's fantastic uh, my fiance got me a bot- one of the ones with the maroon label, the sherry cask finish. Uh, when I got accepted to A and M, and it's one of my favorites for sure. It's up there. <clears throat>
0: okay, they sell it here in Rockdale.
3: Oh yeah, it's yeah, like Mr. probably sixty Lick- four, sixty uh, eight bucks for Sturley's. a bottle. Yeah, well it's worth it. it. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's a neat drink for I- sure. I'll take your advice on that.
1: Every time Chief gives me advice on it. <clears throat>
0: What and I gave you advice one time on a rye, and oh, you actually no. said it was uh, good.
2: No, then four, four, four roses. F- oh, <laughs> <my God.
0: laughs> four roses. Single. Hey, hey y'all, y'all got to
2: come over and try this bourbon. This is the best <laughs> bourbon I've ever had. And we tried it, it was absolutely terrible. Like, you <laughs> had to pour it out, couldn't even mix it with coke.
0: Well, so let me just piggyback off your story the oceans, uh, whatever, oceans 11 or oceans, what's it called? The, Oce- uh,
2: the Jefferson Ocean.
0: Jefferson <laughs> Oceans, like. <clears throat> I bought this whiskey when I was working in North Carolina, and it's the worst damn whiskey I've ever had. Uh, I can't. It's seventy, eighty bucks a bottle. It's aged on a ship, you know, in the barrels, and yada, yada, yada. And Doc's like, "Yeah, it's terrible." And like, "Well, shit, I'll take it, man. If you know, I'll take it." So they're like, "Okay, you can have it." There was maybe one shot left in the bottle. (laughs) I'm thinking it must have been really terrible. We had to try it to make sure. uh, you don't just
2: try one time. So even. There's only certain bourbons that are so bad you got to pour them out. That one was no, drinkable. It was good in my that opinion. That one was drinkable, but most of the I I just got tired of it.
0: So I could taste in my opinion it had a fairly str- I don't know how we got to a bourbon show here with a musician, but we are we're there. <laughs> oh, they go hand in hand. Uh I could taste some good hints of caramel in it and I could honestly in my opinion taste the salt from the salty air being in Aged on a ship in the ocean.
1: Well, I don't know how they got to that barrel, but shit, boy, you onto something there. Hey, I swear, you know, it could have
0: just been my mind effing with me. But
2: they—they probably sprinkled in a little salt (laughs) in the bottling process. (laughs) B Dub probably did that. We're gonna, we're gonna get, we're gonna get him. Pull a prank. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the truth, Wes.
2: It's only Jefferson Ocean because it's made with seawater. Yeah. That's where the salt comes from.
0: Boy, we have really detracted off our mainstream idea of this podcast.
1: Hey, good news is we
3: got Wes here, and he can save any sinking ship. That's true. (laughs) Hey, you know, whether it's helping it sink faster (laughs) or turning on the bilge pump, you know, one way or the other.
0: You got two choices, right?
3: Yeah. I went uh, fishing with one of my buddy's grandpas about probably three weeks ago now, and he told me when we were pulling up to his grandpa's house, he goes, You know, he's got these little shady boats, but it's gonna be fun, and, you know. I was like, Okay, so we get there, and he's got this little, like, it looks like one of the boats that you paddle with your feet, but it's that size, but it had a trolling motor on the back. and I noticed there's a hole in the bottom of the boat, he's working on it. I was like, hmm. I asked him, I was like, Whose boat's this? He goes, Oh, this is y'all's boat, and I was like, Our boat. It's got a hole in the bottom of it. Like, you, you aren't going to fix the hole. He goes, oh, you ain't got to fix a hole if you got a bilge pump. That reminds me, go get the bilge pump out of the other boat. And, and the other boat had no hole in it, but the bilge pump was in it for some reason. And we, we didn't sink. It worked out. He ended up taking the boat with the hole in it. You should have you brought you some flex seal. <laughs> Dude.
0: I can't imagine going out in a boat with a fucking hole in it.
2: <laughs> it's adventures. It's <laughs> adventures. That sounds like a Ward story right there. It does, right. does. Hey, hey, y'all, y'all don't worry about that hole. Just take this pump and stick it in. Hey, guys, eat.
0: I hired a fishing guide. I got a good deal.
2: <laughs> Actually, it'd be it'd be worse than that. They wouldn't have a pump. They'd have to, they'd have to stupid. get a bucket. <laughs> one guy can
1: fish. Three guys got to use some buckets to <laughs> scoop the water out.
0: Holy crap! That's hilarious. Did you catch any fish?
3: Yeah, yeah, we caught a couple bass. Uh, I caught the smallest fish of the day. Didn't catch the biggest one, but. It was a good time. It was definitely more of catching fish rather than fishing.
1: Yeah. Nice. 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 So uh, you do have a hobby. Uh, so. You have got into your, your second job one day is going to be to be an automotive mechanic.
3: Oh, yeah. Very well could be. Because through all of these years of playing music, uh, it's not the most profitable <laughs> career to get into. So, but I've had to do a lot of different things to keep the dream alive over the years. And so a lot of what I've done has been some form of automotive job or construction because those jobs are always hiring. So bosses, I would explain when I get hired, it's like, yeah, I'm a musician. So, you know, I can't really work weekends. And during the summer, like festival season, I could be pretty busy. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll work with you. Then summer comes around and I was like, hey, you know, I need this next Thursday to saturday off they're like again like you were just off and like yeah man we talked about this like it's festival season like well you need to choose like well, bye like <laughs> i'll find another one of you okay. next week. <laughs> yeah and so uh, lately i've got a 63 gmc chevy pickup gmc pickup that i've been rebuilding uh it's got a big race motor in it and it's bagged and dropped and shaved and it's a lot more work than i intended on do in the first round but i saw for the budget of what i have to put into this truck i can either drive a rusty rat rod or learn how to do body work and i can drive something pretty
0: interesting i bet it's a sweet ride
3: oh it will be when i can drive it that's a uh, the main point of contention with my fiance right now is she doesn't see the value in this truck, says, you're putting all this money in this truck that doesn't run. I was like, Well, you're not wrong, but it's, it's gonna be cool when it's done. So, like, when is that gonna be? I, like, I don't know. Before I move, like, just, just
6: I, hang on, honey. Just, yeah.
0: I'd recommend finishing it before the wedding. Oh, yeah, Man, yeah, because that'd be a lot easier now than then.
3: Yeah, I've got till uh July 31st to be done with the truck because okay. then I moved to Colorado. My lease is up and I gotta go.
0: You're mo- oh, I didn't know you were moving.
3: Yeah, yeah. My fiance lives in Greeley and works in beef sales for JBS, so I'm gonna move up there and go see what Colorado's about. I mean, the Kylie uh, is based out of Nashville right now, anyway, so they fly me around a bit, and it's cheaper for me to fly out of Denver than it is for me to fly anywhere out of Houston, Austin, Dallas. Gotcha, because it's such a hub, so they'll save some money by me moving. That's cool.
1: Yeah, he, he he's on the road all the time, so it doesn't doesn't matter where you live, you can go, you just need to have an airport close.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm sure the music, uh, you'll be able to do some cool stuff up there with music too. Oh, yeah. And come back down to Texas some. I know we've talked about this, that y'all, you still plan to come down here and play some with your buddies and stuff? Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. And, I mean, we're seeing a lot of success in the Texas scene right now anyway. So I'm sure I'll be doing all the festival runs and still get to see all my friends and come see y'all and – it will be a good time. I think the one of the things I'm most worried about moving to Colorado for is not having s- such easy access to good barbecue. You can throw a rock and hit decent barbecue at least three different times in Texas. <coughs> Pick a direction, but Colorado, it's a little more spaced out. Yep.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's gonna be a struggle.
3: Yeah, we'll see. It'll you'll be f-
1: you'll find something new you like to eat. I'm sure <laughs> it ain't gonna be barbecue. <laughs> <laughs>
5: You're not wrong. You're not wrong.
1: So so you're going to move to Cal- you're going to move to Colorado. You're going to fly all around. You are going to play with Kylie. So uh the truck's going to go with you. Hopefully it's going to be completed.
3: Oh, it will be. There's no hopefully. There's no choice. It's going to be done. I, l- I at least need the body work done. No, I own a trailer. Okay. So I'll just call, I'll trailer. just haul it up there. Gotcha. Yeah, I may take two trips. I may have to leave the truck and take all of my belongings up there and then come back down a couple weeks later and take the truck up. But the truck was never, it'd be cool to sell it on the backside of it when I'm done. Like if somebody offers me more money than I have in it, fine. But it was mainly about investing in myself. I wanted to finish learning all the things about trucks I've never had to learn. Like building, soldering wiring harnesses and doing fabrication and all of that fun stuff. Because I just enjoy working with my hands. doing it
1: all. <clears throat> doing it all. I mean, like. Every
0: every what, single part of it is done. What color is I'm interested to know.
1: Uh,
3: it's about seven different colors right now. Are you going to paint it? Are you just going
0: to patina it? Or <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna yeah do? I'm going
3: to have it painted. Uh, the color I'm going for is kiwi green. It's a Hyundai color. It's kind of the color of money with some flake in it.
1: Okay. I like money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm putting uh, 20. Matt Langwell
3: likes money. <laughs> 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 I'm putting the interior out of a 2019 Chevy High Country pickup in it. So the really pretty dark. Brown leather, heated, ventilated, wireless charger in the lid. It's going to be the bougiest C10, or I'll have a pocket full of money. One of the two. (laughs) Exactly.
1: No, it's uh. See some pictures. It's a nice. It's going to be a nice ride, man. Yeah. You're going to want to hang on to that thing for a little bit, just to say, "Yeah, I built this." Oh, absolutely. I mean,
5: absolutely. That's cool.
3: Yeah. When I was in Colorado uh, two weeks ago, there's a pretty cool hot rod shop, like 20 minutes from my fiance's house, called Pinkies. And the guy that's teaching me here in Rockdale to do body work wanted a T-shirt. It's like, would you go get me one? I was like, yeah, you know. So I went over there and took a tour of their shop and got to talking with the owner. And I had some questions about upcoming things in my build. And he, he looked at me and goes, man, what do you do for a living? And I think he was expecting me to say automotive restoration. And I was like, oh, I play fiddle. He goes, "You what? What are you building this truck for then? Like, how do you know all of this? Like, man, it's a long story. So, well, are you going to be looking for a job when you move up here? I was like, well you can hire me monday through thursday like i can, I can do <laughs> that weekends off <laughs> yeah and he's like, well come come talk to me I, I may need somebody but i mean i was talking about bands like are you gonna have to find a band up here and i told him i was like no i mean i don't plan on it my band's based out of nashville and they fly me from texas right now so they'll save money flying me from up there and so i don't know what else i'm gonna do when i move to colorado but something to keep my hands busy
1: I'm sure you'll find a band or somebody to mix it up early in the week or something, right?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I've been the last couple of years, I've spent some time getting involved a little more in the business side of the music industry because I'm passionate about playing, but the pay lacks some to be desired sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to find ways to be able to separate what I make from my passion to what I need to bring into the household. And so I manage a couple different bands. I do some talent buying, and so I want to try to take over some of that in Colorado because there's quite a bit of acoustic music and smaller like acoustic trio and duo shows in Fort Collins, which is like 30 minutes from Greeley.
0: We just happen to have a financial advisor standing right here <laughs> to my right. <laughs> if you would uh, be Dale. wise to, <laughs> yeah, chit chat with him, Deal. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, I know you did. Uh, you did all the music for uh, Brett's Fest, uh, the three year. Uh, you kind of, I think you kind of told Brett, "Let me just take care of it." <laughs> yeah, and uh, man, that went off without a hitch. Man, that was cool, and uh, you did a fabulous job. And Peaches and Cream closed it out in grand style. Yeah, and, uh, man, they're always a crowd favorite, and so I mean, you got some talent there when it comes to. I mean, just getting into that, I think I would think there would be some pretty good money in there if you're, you know, festival's going to looking for someone that can find and bring it all in and put it all together yeah you know that's that's a that's a pretty good living right there i would think
3: yeah yeah it's definitely better paid on the business side rather than the on stage side of music um brett's fest was great and then i also got to book the acoustic stage at troubadour fest this year oh nice yeah i worked with chase colston and he gave me the budget for the stage like here you handle this and I was like deal so yeah. hopefully we get to work together again this year yeah, you a got you fun. got
1: a lot of connections in the music industry so i mean you're, you're going to be a mover and shaker for years to come oh, no yeah doubt.
3: yeah thank okay. you i try to make friends everywhere i go
1: yeah well, you're easy to be a friend with because you are always just man you are just always bubbly
3: and just <laughs> want to talk <laughs> absolutely it's, it's where i get my life energy is interacting with people i'm very much very much a people person
1: b what do you got, man? You're just over there just, just
6: chilling. I, I'm just, was I'm
1: gonna just gonna being be talking a wallflower,
2: or so. soaking it all in.
1: Okay, well, I mean, this is, I mean, you've been wanting to get Buddy West on here, man. Eh? Come on, fire some shots. Yeah,
2: well, I, I'm I'm learning just as y'all are learning. Okay, well, fire, you guys, you, you have nothing? Or are you you're just going to be
1: the sponge over there? Well, so,
2: <laughs> obviously, singers eventually worked their way into songwriting or start off songwriting then worked their way into being a singer. Yeah, Um uh, where did you start at being a songwriter? Like what was the first song you ever wrote, whether it was good or bad? Man, the first song
3: I ever wrote, I can't even remember uh, the name of it. I think I might – I don't know that I can remember how to play it. It's been a while. But the first one that I wrote and recorded uh, was called All Again, and it was about Brogan, my fiancé, and I from the day we met till now. And You can find it anywhere you can legally stream or download music. Amazon, Spotify, Pandora. Um, Well, well, why don't you give a little backstory on that and then we'll go ahead and play it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she and I met um, down here in College Station while she was a student. Uh, I stopped. I always try to make it a point to stop and help people that are broken down while I'm driving if I have time because I believe you create your own karma. I agree with that. And I've just got terrible luck, <laughs> just terrible luck. So I try to help people as much as I can. Uh, what good is my knowledge if I don't share it and use it? And so there was a car broken down in the middle of the road, and I was taking the front man at the time to go pick up our van from getting tended and I said to myself, you know, if I come back and the car's still there, I'll stop. Because sure enough, when I came back, the car was there, and it wasn't Brogan, but it was her best friend. And so Brogan was the friend that got called, and she did not want to give me time of day. Uh, had absolutely no patience for me that day and took the gas can out this of my hand. This is the first time you met her. Oh yeah. First okay. time I met her. Didn't yeah. even get her name. She just looked angry <laughs> visibly when she walked up to me and I was holding a gas can because I'd figured out that the vehicle ran out of gas and I was like, Hey, if you want to sit with your friend, I can go get this. She goes, no, I got it. And like snatched the gas can out of my hand and got in the car and left. And I was like, Oh, well that was pleasant. She's cute, but man, that attitude. (laughs) And So when she came back, uh, she went to put the gas in the car, and I was like, you know, I can do this for you. She goes, I can do it. And I was like, it's not about that you can't. It's it's just I would rather get myself dirty rather than have you have to do this. And so uh, she left, and I gave her friend my number, and I was like, you know, I'm a musician and a certified mechanic, and I get parts at cost and save you money. If you ever have problems, you know, get a hold of me. And so she texted me that evening. It's like, you know, thanks, I appreciate it uh i'll let you know when i need something i was like hey so your friend brogan what's her story she's like she has a boyfriend he can't have her number i was like oh okay (laughs) fine and so we're in louisiana like two weeks later and i got a text from a colorado number and it was brogan and her car was broken but it was fixed by the time i got back and we just started hanging out uh with we had some mutual friends that we ended up finding and so we'd go out to harry's and see a concert or uh, just hang out in groups, and then eventually she became single. And I was like, hey, you want to go get dinner? Like, can we hang out? Just you and I? Like, this would be fun. And so while she was back home for summer, uh, she knew that I'd written All Again for her. She'd heard it, but she didn't know I was recording it. And so I recorded it while she was back home, and I was real shady every time I went in the studio because, like, I just disappear and, like, wouldn't text her. And, like, that's not... I usually don't just disappear. I've always got my phone in my hand one way or another. And when she came back, she was pretty upset. I was like, "What have you been doing? Like what secrets are you keeping?" And I was like, "Don't you worry about that. Let's go dancing." And so we went to Harry's and uh, I was friends with the DJ and so I got the first time she heard the actual recording of all again was at Harry's. Uh, uh-huh. We were dancing to it.
0: Nice. That's yeah.
3: awesome. Yeah, I'm not really the the nervous type of person. Uh, I get more anxious like to go on stage and like get it done but meeting her family for the first time they already knew I play guitar and I wrote her a song and they wanted to hear it and i just met her dad like an hour before so oh man there's a little there's a little pressure <laughs> he, yeah yeah cuz he's an old rodeo cowboy uh, he works for the PRCA and one leg is an inch and a half shorter than the other, so he kind of walks with a wobble, and he's got a spectacular mustache. Look, if Sam Elliott needed a stunt double, he could do it. Oh, well, that's cool. And, yeah, he doesn't talk much. It's kind of intimidating, but first <laughs> yeah. thing he did was shake my hand and offer me a beer, and Brogan and her mom looked at me like, what just happened? Because he <laughs> doesn't share his beer or talk much. Ah, So we've been friends from the start. That's cool.
1: Nice. Let's get a to stoopy, huh?
4: i uh...
3: Man, oh man, oh man,
1: I could see that being a good love song
3: there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I recorded that out in Huntsville uh, with Billy Hillman, and I hired all my friends to come through and be a part of it. So Brandon Zamorano did the bass, Wes Nixon sang harmonies, I did the fiddle, uh, Billy did the guitar, and it it was a lot of fun. It was cool. It's a cool song.
0: I bet she's proud.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure.
0: Has her dad heard it?
3: He has. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, I played it for him acoustic before it came out, and he oh, just okay. didn't really say much. He doesn't talk much. He just <laughs> nodded, and knew it was fun. <laughs> yeah, all our friends are like you have a song. She's like, yeah. Like a engaged musician. What do you expect? Exactly. It's yeah. a dangerous thing about dating a musician. Is depending on which way it goes, you're gonna end up at a song, one way or the other. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it can be good or bad, right? Uh, yeah. Is it gonna be? Uh, taylor swift song or carrie underwood like there's two kind of women <laughs>
1: no doubt about that interesting man oh man so when's the wedding
3: uh 20 eventually that's <laughs> that's up to <laughs> it's up to her because we were originally waiting on me uh, to graduate school because i didn't want uh, my tax status to change and lose my grants and now that i am graduated it's just kind of whenever she wants to because we're gonna Spend the money on a honeymoon and go to Greece for a week and a half or so, and then come back and do a reception in Texas on a Sunday. Probably we're looking at late fall, early winter. Awesome. Yeah, because we want Shane Smith and the Saints to play our reception, so we got to plan around touring schedules. And things yeah. are more affordable when the weather's colder, when everybody's not so busy.
0: Yep. So what does she do for a living?
3: Uh, she works for JBS in beef sales. Oh, you said that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I miss. Uh, oh, I it's all good. Brain fart there. <laughs>
1: So is she an Aggie also?
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, she is. She graduated with a master's from A&M. It was animal science with a concentration in uh, beef and policy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, she was one of Dr. Sable's students. So that's actually how I got into being friends with all the barbecue people's because she was the barbecue TA for two semesters.
2: And her impact on the – so like Camp Brisket and all that whenever I was there. Uh, there's a new girl there, Sydney Borders, super cool, but every time she was introduced was, this is the new broken. <laughs> and so, she has set a standard in the Sounds meat like science. Oh, absolutely.
3: Absolutely. I've heard that from a couple different people around the barbecue thing, so that's really cool to hear about her. You know, it makes me proud.
1: Yeah, well, you like barbecue and she's, in, she's selling beef, so
3: you, this can't be nothing but good, right? <laughs> I, I, you're right. It's always fun because like, out in the music scene, everybody knows who I am, and she gets introduced. It's like, oh, this is Wes's fiance." But around the barbecue people, it's like, oh, this is Brogan's fiance." <laughs> so that she was on the other foot. <laughs> so let me
1: ask you this, because you love barbecue. Do you like cooking barbecue? Or are you good at cooking barbecue?
3: I don't know a whole lot about cooking barbecue. I enjoy cooking, and I actually smoked my first brisket right before Thanksgiving with uh, JQ from JQ's Tex-Mex. Yep. I went down and helped him with his thanksgiving cooks and learned about trimming and all of that so i'm trying to learn more how'd
0: your first brisket turn out
2: turned out great good yeah cool yeah i had, well, I had he some great guys <laughs> yeah, he, he learned from jq it, it's hard to screw that up he, JQ
1: wasn't
0: gonna let that happen
1: <laughs> he was he didn't do it on his own he was helping
3: right yeah yeah so oh, I, I, I trimmed it on his own. oh no i helped him with his uh thanksgiving cooks ah, all, all of the you. pre-ordered turkeys okay. and okay so i trimmed my own brisket seasoned my own brisket and had to learn about tending the fire and all of that and so i probably stayed up with him till about 3 a.m and they were going to be pulled off around 6 30 or 7 and i was just dragging he goes man you can go home i'll finish this and you can come pick it up and so i came back the next day and picked it up and my family love it. Like, where'd you get this? It's like, oh, I made it. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, where do you think I was last night? <laughs> that's
1: cool. Well, if it's anything like the auto stuff, working on your truck, rebuilding, making from the ground up, you'll be a good barbecue cook if you decide to do that, too. Yeah, right. I appreciate
3: it. It's definitely a mad respect for the people that do it for a living because it's a lot of work. Hard work. work. People, hard
1: work. It's not easy work. Hard work. People do not understand how hard it is. They're like, well, I cook, I cook a steak in my backyard. Yeah, well, that's never cooking Man, 20 the, briskets and the, the, 30 the, slabs of ribs. And, uh,
3: kind <laughs> of the curse of playing music with barbecue is, like, getting all my music friends to come eat barbecue with me is usually, like, pulling teeth the first time. Because uh, on the festival circuit, like, we get fed barbecue all of the time, and it's rarely good. So, it's just my cousin's board winning, should of something or other about how fantastic <laughs> it's going to be. And I feel like I would have been better off chewing on a tire. Uh, <laughs> The last, I know a lot of hard work goes into it, but man, when it's when it's bad, it's bad. I think Boy, it's bad. The bad. last time I was giving barbecue with a band uh, that wasn't very good, I was playing with Kyle Park. And when we walked into where the catering was, they told us it was barbecue, and I saw a crock pot. And I was like, oh, man, uh, what's this? And I went over and looked, and they had cubed brisket in a crock
2: pot. I'm like, if you can cube your
3: brisket, oh. <laughs> oh,
2: man. <laughs> Yeah, it was an adventure. That's like the old style where they would cook it with all the fat on and scrape all the fat off and then serve it. Cubed brisket should be an arrestable offense. Right. I
3: would agree. (laughs) It's definitely a sin, I'll tell you that.
0: (laughs) I'm
1: not a big fan of chopped brisket, but it's pretty good on nachos and stuff like that.
0: But, I mean, I just like a slice of brisket. Just give me a good slice of brisket. We were talking about that earlier. Put a slice of piece of brisket on a piece of white bread and a pickle and a little onion and...
1: I'm on with yeah, it. Yeah, no sauce, nothing. Just, just you,
3: go to town. Are you a moist brisket or a uh, lean brisket fan?
1: I, you know, I like brisket. I, I I prefer the lean side, but I also I like the moist. It just depends. I You're an moist. equal opportunity consumer. I, I like I like a lot of beef. <laughs> I'm <laughs> moist
0: all the way. I like that fat on it. And, I mean, look at me. Shit. Same. You <laughs> can tell. <laughs> what about you, Vito?
3: What do you like? Love lean. Lean? Yeah. Lean. Yeah, man, I used to love lean, but then Brogan was real adamant on the whole uh, moist thing. She's like, if I'm paying for this, we're getting moist. I was like, cool, because I'm broke. Like, we, we can do this. <laughs> yeah, because like steaks, I don't really like the fat. I prefer a New York strip to a ribeye because there's less fat I can eat around it. And so the fat on a brisket is different. It, it just melts and just mm-hmm.
2: disappears.
0: We had the whole steak podcast here several weeks ago.
2: Yeah. So, and so he, he reaffirmed what I said, New so York strip better than a uh, ribeye.
1: So it depends on the st- – I mean, it depends on how you cook it also. Because you can – I mean, it's, it's it really depends. The fat in a brisket cannot be rendered properly, and it's not good. That right. moist is not good. So it's all about the process. It's all about how you cook it. And a steaks the same way.
3: Yeah. Now, if I'm picking my steaks at the store and I see a ribeye that's got some of the spinalis muscle in it, I will buy that all day over a strip, just because it's so tender. It's the most flavorful exactly. cut. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it's got, especially you look at a ribeye, and if it's got just that really, that really nice marbling all the way through it. There's no big fat chunks right. in there. It's going to be, it's going to, when you grill it up, it's going to be fabulous.
3: Absolutely. I I sous vide my steaks. I don't grill them. Uh, Mostly because I haven't invested in a nice grill yet because I don't want to move one. You're a sous vide guy? I am. Really? You boil them. Yeah. Yeah. And and then sear them in a cast iron, 400 degrees. So, So,
0: okay. I understand the sous vide method, but I don't know it. So... You sous vide first, then sear, or sear first then?
3: okay. Yeah, yeah. you sous vide it first because, like, personally, I set mine to 124 degrees and then cook it for 60 to 90 minutes and then pull it out. And while I'm prepping my sides, I heat up the cast iron, get it to about 350, 400 degrees, and do a quick sear on both sides because when you sous vide it, you're guaranteeing that it's the perfect whatever temperature you set it to, side to side. And so the main trick with a sous vide is understanding – However you finish it, whether it's on a grill or if it's on a cast iron, whatever you do, just having how hot you need it to be able to not overcook the middle trying to get the sear on the outside.
1: Our boys at the what, What's Next podcast. Oh, Blair's going to like
0: that. Oh, and, yeah. Well, Dave, That's definitely a Blair's. going to flip out. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 Blair's a sous vide guy. Yeah. Mad, <laughs> mad respect for the people. I used to do it in a cast iron because, once again, didn't have a nice grill. Mad respect. I love a fired steak. There's nothing like it. But the sous vide is a different approach and marries the flavors to the meat in a different way, and it's the best way to reheat leftover barbecue. Oh no, there's doubt about Blair. That.
1: <laughs> no doubt about that. On the barbecue, that is by far the very best way to do barbecue reheat. So it's also chill, it also keeps
2: it moist. It's kind of the same concept of searing your steak in a cast iron and then sticking it in the oven. Yeah, yeah. It's just the backwards way of doing yeah. that. Same idea.
3: You're right. Yep.
1: Nice. Nice. So. One day, you're going to be a chef one day, too. Oh,
2: he's already making TikToks.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. I, TikTok. I, 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 Are you TikToking? I am. Uh, I've been trying to figure out the algorithm and, like, what videos I want to do. And the videos that the cover shot is me tend to do better. So I, when I do fiddle ones, it's usually me holding the fiddle because I look like a caveman, and it's a niche <laughs> instrument. So, you know, it makes it stand out. But I did a TikTok video on steak à poivre. I made that for the first time
2: last week, and it did pretty good. I had a Let's lot of check, responses. It check it out. Nobody here except you knows what that means. I have no idea. <laughs> that's all right. Wes, so,
0: you just <laughs> right so over the head.
3: sauce is just a peppercorn cream sauce that's made with sherry. Shallots, garlic, it's pretty spectacular. And kind of on the fence, like a great steak doesn't need sauce, just like great brisket doesn't need sauce, all of the same. But at the same time, I appreciate a good one.
1: Yeah, no, that sauce sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'm is. not a sauce guy, but it sounds really pretty it's good. It's obvious
0: you have no kids if you have time to make that stuff. <laughs> or play music. <laughs> Surely got no kids. <laughs> <laughs>
3: my my instruments and my trucks are my children. <laughs> there you go. Just as expensive. You brought yeah. a guitar in today. Yeah, I did. I, I did. That's my. I bought that guitar back in April. Uh, it's a Martin Sinker custom shop. And so what makes it special is the back and sides and the neck and the neck block are all made of sinker mahogany. And so it was trees that were harvested in Belize between 1880 and 1920. And back then they would roll them to the riverbank and float them down the river to the sawmills. And about one-third of the trees became waterlogged and sank. And so they were underwater for the better part of a century. And Martin went down with sonar equipment and scuba gear and found the trees and brought them to the surface and so the wood that didn't disintegrate they turned into guitars and the resonant properties that that water put into those woods is you just can't replicate it
0: and that guitar is made out of that that's, it is like, yeah that's, ba-
3: that's impressive it's one of the nicest playing guitars i've ever played <clears throat> it's way more guitar than i need uh, it's definitely a hot rod guitar but i'd always wanted a nice guitar but i never made enough money playing guitar to warrant spending and investing in a nice instrument. Yeah. I make most of my money playing fiddle. So I buy nice fiddles. Uh, I could buy three of my fiddles for what that guitar run ran me when I bought it. Wow. But uh, enter COVID, and I made more money playing guitar than I did playing fiddle, because we couldn't get enough people together to need a fiddle player anyway. And when we did, it was like, man, we'll give you 100 bucks to come play fiddles. And no, sir, I'm going to go play guitar and sing and make two or three times that. There <laughs> you
2: go. It's the better option.
1: So B-Dub, you wanted to talk about Another song that he wrote, right?
2: Yes. So, Old Man Jones is another... It's not as popular on Spotify, at least, uh, as the one about Brogan. Yeah. But I think the songwriting into it is likened to John Prine. I agree. I listened to it a couple of times.
1: I've actually listened to it more than a couple... I am listened to it about four times in a row just to try to pick up on everything. <coughs> And uh, every
2: every time I listen to it, I've listened to it a bunch, and every time I listen to it, there's something, some another aspect of the story that I pick up, right? That changes the whole song.
1: Yeah, it's one of those songs. uh, uh, John Prine does that a lot in his songs. You got to listen to his songs multiple times. Uh, uh, Guy Clark was another guy that you can you can listen to his songs a bunch of times, and then you'll just like you've listened to. Uh, I mean, just any of his songs almost, and you'll hear something new almost every single time. I'm like, ah, I, I, I'm surprised I didn't catch that sooner. Uh, so but, give, give a little background on the song.
3: Yeah, so um, it was probably, I guess, seven, eight years ago now when it happened, and I was at a songwriter's retreat out in the hill country. I forget what town it was, but some ranch. And they had dinner for us and they had a huge fire pit and we could stay the night. And they suggested that we stay in the barn, which I use the term barn loosely. Like they had four wheelers and whatnot in there, but then there was like a whole apartment side to it that had like three bedrooms and two bathrooms. And like it was a really nice barn. And there was also a house on the property. And I asked dude, like, why wouldn't we just stay in the house? He goes, well, the house is really old. I was like, okay, like, well, that's fine. And he goes, well, it's also haunted. And I was like, ha, haunted. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and it was a really old house. Like, Pier and Beam had no central air. Uh, super old, like, skeleton key doorknobs. And they said it was haunted. And I was like, how do you know? And he goes, you go stay in there. Find out. See how long you can last. And I was like, okay. So a couple bourbons later, uh, <laughs> like everyone was winding down to go to bed. And I asked the dude, he was like, man, are there beds in there? He goes, oh, Yeah. Like, it's got some modern amenities. Like, there's comfortable beds to sleep in, but just no one ever makes it through the night. And I was like, okay, steal. So I went in the house, and with my light on my phone, because the house didn't have electricity either, and found my way to a bedroom and laid down, and the bed was super comfortable, and I start trying to drift off to sleep. About every time I fall asleep, uh, there would be a bang somewhere different in the house. And I was like, okay, this dude's messing with me. Like, this is funny. I see. And so, like, I went to walk around the house and didn't see anybody. Uh, Everybody was sleeping. The guy's truck wasn't even on the property anymore because I went outside and walked around to see if I could catch somebody playing the trick on me. And uh, sure enough, there wasn't. So I went to lay back down and made it to sleep. And then uh, I heard a male voice say my name. And so I woke up expecting to see somebody there, and there was nobody. And then the bedroom door... (laughs) Flew open and banged against the wall and then flew back shut and slammed shut. And I was like, okay, you're right. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what's going on, but, uh, I never actually saw a ghost or anything while I was there, but I could very much feel the presence. Like when the door slammed open, uh, the room suddenly became cold and all of the hair on the back of my neck and my arms stood on end instantly. Uh. And then the door shut and it went back to warm. And I was like, nope, I'm out of here. No longer. Was it cold outside that night? No. 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 It was 75, 80 degrees. It was comfortable. It was comfortable. But it felt like someone had just turned on the air conditioning on like 64. Instantaneously. The whole room. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. I just got (laughs) chilled.
6: That's
0: crazy. Yeah. And
3: so that story stuck with me for a while and. I told it to some of my friends. They're like, man, you're just drunk. And I was like, well, yes and no. Like, <laughs> earlier when I went to bed, maybe. But uh, I tried to figure out how to put it into a song. And so it was very different from anything else I'd written. And a little more of Americana vibe to it. And Old Man Jones was the fictional character that I made up to tell the story.
0: So the Old Man Jones was the your vision of that yes. being or that whatever that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That
2: was my vision to it, and so uh, that's where that song came about. So, cool. where did you get the inspiration for the chorus, especially the tagline of the chorus? Man, uh, I was watching some of my friends go
3: through some self accountability issues. Some of my closest friends at the time, and one of them uh, said to me one of the chorus lines, and I was like, "Oh, that could be a song," and I was kind of hung up. On the old man Jones part of, you know, I'd had the first verse and the second verse, but I didn't have a chorus and watching them with their struggle through accountability just kind of brought everything around and it just fell into my lap. Like my writing typically ends up being, you know, I'll write a line or two or a hook and I have like five or six different notes that eventually I've got enough in between each of those pages that something to be similar enough that I can combine it. And all again, took me like 10 minutes to write. Like everything just fell out. But old man Jones probably took me a month and a half (coughs) to get everything put together with it. That's crazy story,
0: man. I know (laughs) that just that haunted house story.
3: Have you been back to that place? I have not. No, I have not (laughs) by choice or. Yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't, I didn't know the guy that owned the property. I just knew the lady that wanted to host the thing there. And so I didn't even have his number to be able to contact him to go back or, like, tell him what happened or any of that. I'm sure he, he tried – I guess he tried warning me. I don't know if he was being funny or being real, but it ended up being real.
1: <laughs> Regardless, right? Yeah. So the guy that told you the place was haunted and kind of dared you to go down there and stay the night, have you sent him the song? I guess he knows, he knows about this song that you wrote?
3: Uh, he might. He might. I didn't know his – I don't remember his name now, and I never had his number. Okay, so some of the songwriters that were there have heard the song and they were all drunk and passed out, and so like they'd heard the story, and they're like, Oh man, this is that song about that retreat! And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, dude, you missed out! You missed out.
1: Cool, well, let's let's hear it. Yeah.
5: Parts that said he don't rest in peace. Every night he roams these halls, his house is sold to keep. One dark, cold night I rose up out of bed, and there stood the ghost of old man Jones, and he risen from the dead. This old man Jones was a greedy old man, he had no next kin. He left one night to run and shine, never seen again. They found the wreck, shining intact. He even left his cane. His body was gone, no clues are left that they can't explain. He says, "Son, are you proud of this life you made? Remember those demons that follow you to the grave. It's all planned out from birth to now, and only you can turn around." So, son, are you proud of this life you made? Words rings loud as thunder, and they bounce from wall to wall. And he just laughed as the lightning crashed floated on down the hall. I got up and ran to the doors, it slammed in my face. And he was gone like a thief in the night, disappeared without a trace. He said, Son,
4: are you proud
5: of this life you made? Remember those demons are following you to the grave. It's all planned out from birth to now And only you can turn around So son, are you proud Of this life you made? As I came To my senses, wondering What the hell went on I found myself in the depths of a mirror Half drunk away to stone I turned my sin To religion, cause my savior Was that night, old man Jones might have departed But what never left my mind Says, son, are you proud of this life you made? Remember those demons following you to the grave. It's all planned out from birth to now, and only you can turn around. So, son, are you proud of this life you made? Tell me, son, are you proud of this life you made?
1: man oh man oh man oh hell yeah good job Wes <laughs>
0: that guitar is sweet man
5: yeah thanks man I absolutely love it
3: it's definitely I'm excited to hear what it sounds like in about 10 years because I can hear changes in it month to month yeah as the wood continues to dry out and cure and so it's whenever my friends in town are need to do some tracking, and they need an acoustic guitar. I was like,
5: hey, Wes, can and we
3: borrow your guitar? Like, yeah, man, uh, I'm going to start renting it to y'all at this point. Like, <laughs> well, I'm sure it
2: goes through a lot of changes, too, on the plane.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I need to have it set back up uh, here before too much longer because the action's getting a little high. But it's definitely it's the best sounding guitar I've ever played. Plug it in, turn it up, like maybe a little bit, cut some of the low end out of it because it can get a little boomy. But that's Martin's in general. Mm-hmm. It's built to be like a D18. Um, so like the golden era is what they call it of like the pre-World War two Martins. And so it's built in the vintage style, but with new wood. And huh. then it's got vintage hide glue and scalloped bracing and a bunch of extra things that were done for the custom shop side. Whereas the shop I bought it from is called Tone Shop Guitars in Addison, Texas. And their custom shop guy would go to Martin Quarterly and hand pick all the woods. And... <coughs> design everything about the guitar and so he said especially with the sinker mahoganies so with it being such a dense wood that you could tell the heavier wood uh, wouldn't resonate as well and so the lighter woods what they were looking for and that was the last guitar that he got to pick out all of the wood for before covid <clears throat> and now martin doesn't allow people to come in their shop and do pick the woods anymore it's kind of luck of the draw
0: how many of those guitars are made west do you
1: know
3: i do not have that number
0: but that one was brand new built yeah. just
1: for you. Yeah. Yeah. Justin I Porter. was
3: I was the first person to to buy it. Uh the first not the first to play it, but I'm the first owner and hopefully the last. I mean every, almost everything I own is for sale one way or another. <laughs> so, we'll see what it's worth in 30 years and if somebody really wants it. You know, it'll be super expensive by then. Like, especially whenever you
2: talk about modern day vintage or It'll it be then, yeah. Martin's <clears throat> going what they sell for now. Like, you can get a 1950s model for, like, 10000 15000 yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or higher. Yeah, or higher.
3: absolutely. Uh, Brogan was not significantly impressed with me when I bought that guitar because uh, she knew I was going. I'd been talking with Tone Shop, and I knew that they had the sinkers I could play for. Uh, I played Cody Johnson's, and that's what sold me on a sinker. I was like, oh, I want that. And so I was going up the van call in Prosper, Texas, and Addison's just south of there. And I told Brogan I was going, she goes, you're not buying a guitar today, are you? I was like, nah, I didn't bring any money. Like, I'm not buying a guitar. <laughs> so I walked in, played one chord on the guitar. I was like, oh, man, uh, I'm buying a guitar today. <laughs> and so I sent her a picture of it. And she goes, how, how much is that guitar? And I knew better than to type that out. So I sent her a picture of the price tag. And I her, heard, her yeah. response was, it's a lot of money for somebody who wants to be a fiddle player. <laughs> well, and I tried explaining myself out. I was like, yeah, I know, but it's an investment, and I'll never have to buy another guitar again. She goes, you're going to say that again. Exactly. I was, yeah, I wasn't done talking. Like, I won't buy another one until this financing is paid off. It's kind of like <laughs> buying guns, right, Doc? Exactly. <laughs> but, babe, this is the
0: one. <laughs> you
5: don't, this is going to change the game.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly exactly well, BW, you know he was going to buy one and he was going to buy two and he's got a stack of them in his room well, now.
2: so whenever I first bought my my very first Fender guitar it was a Squire and I paid 75 bucks for it and I was like man I'm, I'm never going to see myself buying a $500 uh, made in Mexico Strat right and now I got a $2,000 1996 uh, Fender Lone Star Strat that's been around the block for a while that I traded a lesser Gibson for. That's a win. With cash or did you trade up? No, I traded up. Heck yeah, that's a win all day. Trade it way up. (laughs) Yeah.
3: My parents paid $55 for my first fiddle. Uh, It was a violin then, I guess, and we were living in Georgia, and it was the last $55 they had, and I remember when it came in. Uh, my brother and I were watching *O oh Brother Where Art Thou*, one of my favorite movies, and I pulled it out of the case and just tried to tried to play it. And it sounded about like cats fighting uh, for a <laughs> while. <laughs> my parents were really patient for the first year or so. I didn't really like playing in front of people by myself. Like I'd only play for like one or two family members at a time. So it's wild that I play in front of significantly more than that these days. Absolutely. But I've probably got somewhere between twenty and thirty fiddles. Like I've, I don't really sell them. You have that many fiddles? Uh-huh. Cuz oh. like as I as I upgraded.
0: How many violins uh, do you have? 20 or 30. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't resist, I'm
6: sorry. <laughs> oh, you good. <laughs> What's the difference in? The
3: strings. Horse <laughs> <laughs> strings. Oh shit.
6: Yeah, so
3: I don't really like it's kind of like guns. I like buying them, I don't like selling them, you know. I I did sell one recently, uh for the first fiddle I ever sold. Uh it was a uh, 1910s German fiddle that had a carved lion head for the scroll and I sold it to Sam Riggs because he left his fiddle at home and needed one so his drummer called me and I was like yeah I'll send him with this one and the next week it didn't come back to me and I was like hey dude uh, everything okay? Like, is Where's my fiddle? and he goes would you sell this? I was like yes sir absolutely you don't have to bring it back because it was a little I prefer like mid 19th century German instruments as far as violins and fiddles go. Um, The one that I spend most of my time playing was made in 1850 in Germany. It was made by a maker named Frederick Glass. Interesting. And it's not a collector's instrument. It's very much player's quality. It's had some repairs and some damage. And I feel like the older instruments, they they sing differently. You know, they have a story. Yeah, that's true. They say violins get sweeter with time. 1850. Absolutely. Holy crap. The oldest one I've got was made in 1750.
1: I don't know how much I paid for that That's
3: one. older than the United States. I paid more for that guitar than that <laughs> fiddle. But, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I bought the fiddles from a collector um, in Houston, and he was the director for Rice University Orchestra at the time, and he lives out in San Francisco now. But the older German instruments, there's nothing like them. Yeah. Anytime one of my fiddle-playing friends borrows my instrument, they bring it back like, dude, that sounds so good, unlike anything I've ever heard. I was like, yeah, man, it's you can't replicate it.
1: Nice. Nice. All right, guys.
3: Man, Wes,
1: we're going to wrap this up, man. It's been a pleasure having you in the studios tonight. I hope you had as much fun as we did. I... I think Chief learned a lot tonight. (laughs) I
0: did learn the difference between a violin and a fiddle. He took some some notes, and I think he's
1: going to go home and decipher them through the internet, the interwebs.
0: (laughs) It's been fun, man. You're a very talented young man. Congratulations on your success, and I wish you well. Thank you all so much. It was a blast. And if you want to buy an instrument from... West and you borrow
1: one and then just don't bring it back and you get to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's Absolutely. the only way it gets rid of them. <laughs> no, it's been fun. BW, you got anything you want to add on the way out?
3: Well, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, dude. Appreciate the invite. I appreciate it. I look forward to hearing this and the rest of the episodes. And yeah, I want to oh, see yeah. the truck deal. I want to see the truck, man
0: deal i wish can show I could you some af- pictures i wish i could this. afford to make you an offer on it but <laughs> i can't
1: <laughs> you might want to wait for it to get finished yeah yeah hey when it's finished just borrow it to drive it and, and just don't bring it back and you get to buy it <laughs> yeah i <laughs> figured it to <laughs> work hey wes can i borrow your truck <laughs> <laughs> Act all right, guys, it's been fun. Thank you, Wes, for coming in. We'll catch you at the Brett's backyard for some yeah. music.
0: And Check barbecue. him out. Where
3: can, where can people find your music? Where all can people find your music? Uh, anywhere you can legally download or stream music. Uh, my handles is, are fiddling around. No G. Fiddling underscore around on most social media Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitter, and Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, Pandora a little anywhere you can legally download or stream music so check him out west barlow
0: fiddling around you won't regret it i promise this guy's talented yes sir peace out love you